Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Dan Favalli. Dan, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Uh... I mean, it's July and the NBA offseason is in full tilt, buddy. I'll ask you, because you and you might be a little biased, but that's okay. I'm a little biased as well. Is the NBA offseason supreme amongst all sports offseasons? Um, you know, I don't want to get too caught up in it just because I do cover the NBA, so I think it is kind of like probably one of the better ones when you look at player movement or things coming out of left field. But I do think we've seen some NFL storylines when you're looking at player transactions tilt towards this direction. And I do know, look, sometimes the MLB offseason can get pretty wild. But I do think when you look at social media and sports talk shows specifically, the anticipation of the NBA offseason post-draft, because there's nothing like the NFL draft, of course, um, there does seem to be a larger buildup and interest in it um, than most other offseasons, if that makes any sense. Well, it helps that they have moves like uh, Rudy Gobert. I'll—I I guess we'll start here. Do you like the Rudy Gobert trade for either team? I love it for Utah because that core was getting stale, and you already kind of moved Royce O'Neal, who was your only plus perimeter defender last year, except for Daniel House, who you also lost to Philadelphia 76ers. And the idea of starting anew, whether it's with Donovan Mitchell or not, and you've now loaded your coffers up with these shorter-term contracts that could be moved. Um, you do have uh, an interesting prospect in Walker Tesler, and then you also just have those, you know, you really have control over five first-round picks from Minnesota when you include this year. So have three unprotected picks, an unprotected swap, and then that 2029 top five protected first. I think that gives you a great baseline to rebuild off of whether or not you move Donovan Mitchell. I like it a lot less for the Wolves. It's just allocating a lot of money to a front court fit that isn't perfect on offense. I think it's going to be great on defense. I'm just curious how it holds up in the playoffs. And so there's a level of to be determined there. But when you look at the Wolves and how far away they were from entering that title contender quick, um, I'm not against the idea of pairing Cat with another big, but to pay this much to do it when you don't necessarily know how it's going to pan out, that felt excessive to me. If both players are on the market at the same time, who gets traded for more, Donovan Mitchell or Kevin Durant? That's a great question. I'm going to lean Donovan Mitchell just because I think we'll look back. We tend to over-romanticize draft picks as well. And if Rudy Gobert, with his contract and him being older, got Utah that many picks, I mean, like you can make a case it's really six picks between getting um, um, Kessler and also just the, the swaps and the, the picks in general. I think Mitchell just being younger will naturally appeal to more teams. I also think he, in the end, will have less say over where he goes. Um, Kevin Durant is older. I think that's going to make certain teams reticent to give up the, the top-tier packages for him. And I do believe that because it's Kevin Durant, because he's older, because he has that injury history, if he says, hey, I only want to play in Miami, Phoenix, or Toronto, or doesn't open up his list to include any other teams, that's going to matter to more, to more interested suitors than it will in, in the case of Donovan Mitchell. Dan, in like the last two or three weeks, we've seen two teams signal that they might be going into extreme tanking, right? Utah, first half of it was the Gobert trade. The second half would be a Donovan Mitchell trade. San Antonio traded a 25-year-old uh, all-star caliber player in Deonta Murray for a bunch of picks. I I'll ask you, do you think 
Is this should we read between more than just these two teams had capped out where they were? Are, should we expect one or two more teams to add the fray of getting back to that tanking mentality in the NBA? Um, I think we could see more teams get there, but you're probably looking at a middle of the season type decision when you're seeing squads that were kind of hoping to exist in the middle or had playing aspirations, and you see them um, fall off. I think one candidate to certainly watch for would just be. Houston, um, they might already be on that level. I do expect them to lose a lot of games still, but if you go ahead now and trade Eric Gordon and maybe you're trading some of the other vets on your team like a you know, a David Nawaba, are you even looking at this point moving a Kevin Porter Jr. just because he's extension eligible? That's a team that I could see leaning further into it over the offseason. But when you look at the rest of these squads, um, uh, especially in the Eastern Conference, like there are probably 13 teams, um, maybe, maybe 12. Maybe the Indiana Pacers still have some blowing up left to do with Miles Turner that fancy themselves playoff squads. And so I think that this is something we talk about um, a little bit more as we get into the trade deadline where seasons have sort of gone in the opposite directions that teams were hoping. Dan Favalli of the Bleacher Report and also Hardwood Knox podcast. On the guest line here, breaking down the latest in the NBA, uh, I, I can't believe I haven't asked you a question directly about Kevin Durant. What do you think are the most interesting landing spots for Kevin Durant? Like, mo what do you think are the most impactful to the competitive landscape of the NBA? Yeah, look, I think if he goes to Phoenix or Miami, it's, I think it creates a new title favorite, and that's a really big deal. Um, but looking beyond those teams, and I root for chaos as sort of this impartial observer, I'd like to see him go somewhere that's not on his list right now. Uh, if you send him to Toronto, that team really becomes a force, especially if they are able to finagle a package that doesn't include Scotty Barnes. Um, or even if it does, they're probably giving up less draft equity then, so are they able to turn around and just make another pretty big deal since they're all in on the, the current window then with KD. And I also really love the idea of Kevin Durant in New Orleans. We know a package won't include Zion because he just extended. And so if you're putting literally – everyone and everything else on the table in talks, regardless of whether it costs you Brandon Ingram, um, that resulting team would be terrifying. And the final one I would, I would just keep an eye on, and there would need to be additional moves made because their two primary trade ships could not um, play on the Nets as so long as Ben Simmons is there. Uh, but the Denver Nuggets, if there are teams, maybe not even the Nets, you're getting third and fourth teams involved who uh, really like Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, aren't worried about his health. The Nuggets also have Bones Highland. Uh, they can trade a pick in 2029, so that does hamper them. But if they're willing to go that route of putting both players on the table, uh, Denver just would be fascinating with having Jokic and Kevin Durant there in addition to, to maybe Aaron Gordon as well. Dan, uh, let's look to Kyrie. Do you think that if the Lakers do not pull the, the trigger on a trade for Kyrie, do you think that that means he'll play in Brooklyn next year? Is it L.A. or bust? It does sort of feel... LA or bust, or at the very least that he's going to be moved from Brooklyn or they're just not going to have him report to the team next season. I don't know why they would want him around the next day. If Kevin Durant is gone, assuming he's not there, I don't know why you want him around whatever product you're, you're left with. And it is pretty clear that there's not this huge league-wide interest in Kyrie Irving. And I do think while everyone can say it's a no-brainer for the Lakers, and to some extent it is, when you're talking about offering Russ but 2027 and 2029 draft picks, and you can't guarantee that Kyrie Irving is going to stay beyond next season because he's a free agent, he can say whatever he wants. He has now submarined the windows of three teams. When you look at Cleveland, Boston, with whom he said he was going to resign while he was there, and then Brooklyn now, who he expected to resign with 
Um, you do have to think twice about putting any sort of long-term value in your package. And so I don't know where he ends up. My guess would just be the Lakers, given where all this is headed. But if it's not the Lakers, um, the thing I could say with somewhat certainty is I would be flabbergasted if we see him play for the next next season. Dan, Kyrie, LeBron, and AD. Is that would would you assume that they are the title favorites if Kyrie were to go to LA? No, I wouldn't. Uh, look, the rest of the roster around them might be interesting. I'd like some of the Lakers signings. Um, do they have enough defense and shooting around their stars, which has been the model to build around LeBron and AD since the dawn of time? The Lakers have completely pivoted away from it. Uh, it's questionable at best there. So I think they would be in the mix, but you're also dealing with um, LeBron, who's this is going to be his age, what, 37, 38 season. Um, is there a chance that he misses more time? And then both Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving, for a litany of reasons, um, they always seem to miss. You could pencil them in for 15 to 20-plus games absent a season. That's going to matter in a West where, even if you don't think the top end of it is better than the East, it's certainly just going to be deeper than it was last year because you're looking at healthier teams in the Clippers, um, in the Nuggets, even the Blazers, the Timberwolves got better. So I think they would be up there. But depending on what happens with Kevin Durant and just looking at the other teams, I would still like – you know, a lot of squads in the East, like Milwaukee, Boston, more than them. I'd still probably like Golden State more than them out West. So they'd certainly have a better title shot in my mind. I would stop well short of calling them favorites, though. So. All right, let's move to uh, the Hornets here. It's been an interesting offseason over this way. How would you assess the Hornets offseason, starting with the firing of James Borrego? Um, I was never a fan of it because I didn't think he was the issue. And then to have Kenny Atkinson sort of walk out of that situation and then pivot back into Steve Clifford, who I didn't think he was the issue when he got fired the first time. Um, that was weird. I think it matters that he'll care about defense probably more than anyone else uh, in that organization at this point. And so there's that to look at. Um, I, I do think that they did okay around the draft. People were panning them initially for that trade with the Knicks when they didn't get Jalen Duran and they pivoted to Mark Williams instead. I think they did fine there. Keeping Cody Martin was a big deal. Um, their roster is just, uh, we have to see what happens with, with Miles Bridges, of course, too. And that entire situation is just, um, it's just sad, um, for his kid is, you know, and then, and the mother of his child is sad. I don't know what happens with the roster with regards to him. It has not been a banner off season for the Hornets. I will say once this Kevin Durant domino falls, I might expect them to try and be involved, um, in a Miles Turner acquisition. If he's not moved as part of that deal, where a lot of three team scenarios being floated around include Aiton going to Indiana, Turner going somewhere else, um, and so on and so forth. What is the uh, price, or what do you think the price tag might be for Miles Turner? Um, I think you're probably looking at the equivalent of a first-round pick and then just a prospect. And I don't know at this point, you know, if we're talking, is it a first-round pick in P.J. Washington? Um, how, how much does the organization value James Booknight right now? How much do they value Kai Jones, um, given that they just drafted uh, Williams and would be getting – Miles Turner. I think something along the lines of that package would be salary filler. One of those younger players, and I, I wouldn't, I'd want to keep Book Knight if I were the Hornets. I want to make that clear. But if it was a pick Washington or a pick Kai Jones and filler, I think that's probably the highest I'd be willing to go on. A center who is really good, but you also have to worry about paying him because his contract is up after this year. 